0: to American Education FM everybody I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I've got some local news that I want to cover here today. And I kind of want to refresh everybody's memory about this particular story before I provide this update and you'll hear some audio too from a local Cincinnati uh news outlet, Fox 19. And God bless Fox 19 for covering this cuz they're kind of sort of uh well, I I would say they are more of the objective of the local news outlets that exist. They will hit on more hard hitting stories as opposed to some of the others around the Cincinnati area. But either way, I'm glad that they've decided to uh, specifically cover this locally where I live. So, back in November, December, there was a middle school business teacher who inappropriately touched a female student across her chest she of course did not make this up she wasn't lying this actually happened and then for the last 6 months the uh school district placed the teacher on paid administrative leave so for the last 6 months he's been receiving pay and not working which is highly unusual that that would be the case normally they would terminate them relatively quickly certainly after some kind of an investigation in either case Regardless of the scenario, in last week's school board meeting, they accepted his resignation. Th- there were a lot of other things that took place too, which is awfully shady um, but even and I'll play some of that audio from the from the direct uh, school board meeting, but the reason that I'm bringing this up too again is because not only is this is is this school district completely corrupt and they have been since the beginning of time. Again, this was a school district that I attended as a student. Um, But in general, a lot of the same people are still running it, and it has a lot of very old hooks within this school district. And these are pedo-apologists. These are people that, again, are, are covering up this kind of abuse. Rainbow flags on all the doors, degeneracy, you name it. The superintendent is flamboyantly gay. Uh, he's one of those guys that has a Van Dyke mustache and only uses the hair club for men hair dye on his Van Dyke mustache. Uh, his his mustache is jet black while everything else is gray. Uh, he's, a, he's a weirdo. I don't know how else to say it. The guy's a weirdo and these people need to be mocked, made fun of, and ridiculed until the end of time. They, their behavior should not be tolerated. Not to mention, if a person is that meticulous about something that looks so terrible on their own face, think about other things that they are meticulous about that are absolute garbage. Again, like the degeneracy that exists within, within their schools. So, with that aside, the first audio that I want to play here is from the Fox 19 outlet that covered this story recently, and they also interview, again, the dad of the daughter of the st- who's the student who was inappropriately touched? Keeping in mind too that this was not the first formal complaint months back that was made against this teacher. There have been at least two others, with numerous graduating classes knowing about this particular teacher's behavior. Uh, and then I'll play the audio from the school board meeting as well. So here's that Fox 19 clip in three, two, one.
1: The Tallawanda on School Board accepted the resignation of a teacher accused of sexually harassing two students. And one of the victims' father is upset he wasn't terminated. Our Courtney King spoke with him in a story you will see only right here on Fox 19 Now. Courtney. Yeah, Rob, we're live outside of Talawanda High School because this is where the board accepted that teacher's resignation earlier tonight. We are not naming him because he's not facing any criminal charges, but there is an ongoing investigation into him by Oxford police. We did speak with one of the victim's fathers. He tells us that he's relieved his daughter won't see the teacher in the halls anymore as she enters the eighth grade next year. But he also says that the resignation is not enough.
0: We're feeling defeated.
1: On Thursday, the Talawanda School Board accepted the resignation of the middle school teacher accused of sexually harassing two students. By not terminating this man, you're sending the message loud and clear that we do not really have the best interest of our students in mind. In mid-May, we reported an investigation found the teacher sexually harassed two Talawanda students. The documents show three female students made claims against the teacher, but only two had enough evidence of sexual harassment. Dustin LeMay is the father of one of the victims
0: it's gut wrenching to know that we've done all that we could do and he's still being allowed to resign. Um, we don't think it's fair.
1: The teacher went on paid leave in December of 2021 when Dustin's daughter, Michaela came forward, accusing the teacher of sliding his hand down her chest. That's when the school board opened a title IX investigation. He doesn't deserve to, to be a teacher any longer. Uh, he doesn't
0: deserve the right to resign. Um, so yeah, we were, we were really hoping that they would terminate him and he would be forced to explain it wherever he goes from
1: here. The school board gave us a statement. Part of it says, quote, the teacher filed an appeal of the decision maker's decision. A different attorney reviewed the evidence on appeal and upheld the first decision maker's decision. Following receipt of the appellate decision, the teacher submitted a resignation, which the Board of Education approved this evening. The superintendent tells us only the Ohio Department of Education's Ethics Commission can take the teacher's license away. It does make me nervous for other other kids who could possibly be victimized by it. The superintendent says they have contacted the Ethics Commission several times and they are expected to launch an investigation soon. Dustin says his daughter was bullied after the incident and is now in therapy.
0: But this whole thing is just taking a toll on her emotionally. At one point she became suicidal.
1: The superintendent tells us that the Ethics Commission's investigation could take months, and there's not really a timeline for it. And the district would not comment further than the statement that they gave us earlier tonight. We're live in Oxford. Courtney King, Fox 19 Now.
0: Okay, there's a lot that needs to be revisited here. And I'm just going to bring this up again to sort of refresh everyone's memory if, if they have forgotten or are unaware. An acquaintance of mine reached out to this father, this Dustin LeMay, and told him to get in touch with me because I would be happy to explain to him the process of teacher investigations, administrative investigations, State Department of Education investigations, and how it all works. This entire time, the last six months plus of their family's lives and their daughter's lives have been upended because of what they do not know. And no one's told them. So I hope that he listened to the podcast, although it sounds like he never did, because I've explained this before and how the process actually works. So let me say this. During the actual board meeting itself, where the father spoke recently, again, last week, the superintendent toward the end of the board meeting actually laid out the process. Now, as degenerate and ridiculous as he is, he actually laid out the process the way that it really is. He is a licensed reporter, which means by contract, by law, if he receives any complaint of any kind, he has to report it. In particular, if there's an investigation that takes place, he then has to send that up the ladder To the State Department of Education so that they can look at the investigation, look at all of the evidence, and then decide on that teacher's license and what to do regarding that teacher's certification to be a school teacher. That can take a while. And by a while, I mean it can even take years. So, yes, if there are no criminal charges that ultimately occur with this particular teacher and they don't find themselves in jail at any particular time. It is possible that that teacher could find their way back into a classroom somewhere else in another state that has reciprocity with that teacher certification or whatever. I mean they could they could remain in the state of Ohio teaching until of course they receive a letter in the mail from the Ohio Department of Education that says you're being investigated for conduct unbecoming of an educator. Now, as you've heard me describe my own past, in education regarding this, uh, regarding the certification stuff, I had the Ohio Department of Education strip my Ohio certification, and I never even taught a single day in the state of Ohio. They just took it from me because I was a whistleblower in Southwest Florida. And then, of course, that investigation, which was completely falsified, made its way up to the Ohio Department of Ed, and they went, wait a minute, what's this? Somebody's told us that we got a teacher in our state, and even though I wasn't teaching, I was in graduate school, uh, they they went through that documentation, they believed all of it, and then they they decided to act. Now, what was interesting about my process was is they were going to let me keep my certification if I took an ethics course. I mean, wrap your head around that one. The whistleblower has to take an ethics course. And they wanted me to, you know, get like a B or above in the ethics course. And then they wanted me to do a couple other things. And then that was it. And I said, I'm not doing that because I've done nothing wrong. I didn't do anything wrong in Southwest Florida. I was a whistleblower. I've told you my whole story with lawyers present in writing face to face and over the phone. My story hasn't changed. It's the exact true story. That's the way that it goes. It was two years after that meeting with my lawyers that they ended up finally just saying, we're just going to take your license. So they backed away from giving me an opportunity to prove to them that I was ethical and whatever else and they were like whatever screw it we're just going to take it. And then they just took it. But that can be a 2-year process. Plus, I mean it you know, state departments of education right now are backed up like you wouldn't believe because of all of the child abuse that's been going on at the hands of school administrators, teachers and superintendents all of which who hold certification at the state level so all of i mean every single complaint has to be investigated now some of them get thrown away quicker than others i'm sure i'm sure a lot of the complaints that have been formally made over the last 2 years have to do with mask wearing uh playing medical doctor and all the other unethical things that have been occurring but It's quite possible that state departments of education are just throwing those away, throwing those investigations away. And again, I have formally filled those out against superintendents and administrators in the state of Ohio over the last two years because it's something that any citizen can do if you have proof and it needs to be done. Um, I, I I wish someone would have explained this process to the parent and the parent wasn't receiving such bad legal advice on not talking to people, because had he had spent, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes with me, I would have laid this all out for him. I could have told him what was going to happen with this teacher, because this teacher ultimately will not be a teacher again. They will lose their certification, and given the fact that there's a history with this person inappropriately touching students and minors, you're looking at a sex offender allegation, if not conviction, you're looking at prosecutions potentially and again if those if those actual investigations are still ongoing as Courtney King from Fox 19 says that they are as per the Oxford Police Department and certainly the Sheriff's Department I believe as well because I had a fellow a fellow friend that I've worked with also in the past who recently got off the phone with Sheriff Richard Jones regarding all of this Uh, He's fully aware of what's going on and is aware of ongoing investigations. Therefore, they cannot comment on ongoing investigations, and I fully understand that. What, What they could have done and didn't do as a school district is they could have placed him on unpaid administrative leave. They could have put him on paid administrative leave throughout a certain amount of weeks or months that would have basically washed up all of his sick day you know his his uh accumulated sick days so the way that it works for a school teacher if you're unaware is you can accumulate sick days and if you don't use those sick days then they stack up and you basically get to keep them they're your days they're they're paid contractual days so what a lot of people will do when they retire is they'll cash in those sick days I worked with a, a scumbag who was an administrator for a long time. He cashed in his sick days and he was given like ninety thousand dollars in a payout on on sick leave over the course of his career. Now there may have been other reasons for that cash. I find it unlikely it would be ninety grand in sick day leave, but but it's possible because again, if you accumulate that much, then you're entitled to that much in return. But what they'll do for teachers like this who are under investigation is they'll pay them through a specific time when their sick leaves are when their sick leave days are now officially used up, the ones that they've accumulated, and then they'll place them on unpaid administrative leave. Apparently, that was not the case here, as far as I know. He's been on paid administrative leave right up to his uh, right right up to his resignation. So that's essentially, again, w- what they did and, and what they should have done. And again, what they should have done, as I just described, is they should have cut off his, his paid administrative leave, and he should have been on unpaid administrative leave. Something else that happened in the board meeting, which, frankly, I'm not going to play because there's really nothing to hear. Most of it was in that Fox 19 thing. Um, the school board itself tried to hide the name of the teacher who was resigning and who was accused of all of this, and apparently did this. Because again, ha- having looked at the evidence, the teacher tried to appeal. So the teacher's lawyered up, we, we, we know that. They tried to appeal, and the appeal didn't work, which means the proof is ironclad that this guy's been doing this, and certainly has done it at least once, and certainly, by all indication, over the course of time. During the meeting, and this is where things start to get a little hairy, during the meeting, David Bothist, a school board member, the one who I have reported to the Ethics Commission for, if you recall, uh, soliciting money from citizens and parents and staff members within the school district, including their, his adopted son's own school teacher for Super Bowl tickets. you recall all of that? He actually made a motion to have the name revealed and be unhidden from the agenda because the superintendent and other board members sought to hide the individual's name. Now, the business teacher at the middle school who did this, his name is Paul Stiver, and I'm going to spell it for people. It's P-A-U-L-S-T-I-V-E-R. Uh, he's, he's the first name listed on the resignations. The point is, is that you actively still had a superintendent among others trying to hide the guy's name from the agenda. And then fortunately, one board member who is still a degenerate and remarkably unethical and has broken the law on his own accord, decided you know that the that the public needed to know this guy's name well we already knew who it was i mean everybody knows who it already was word travels quick and it's not one of those things that uh you know people are wondering about i mean all you have to do is ask a student hey you know what what's the name of this teacher or what you know what teacher has gone from your building and then all of a sudden you have the answer so That occurred, and they all went around the horn, and they all voted to, yes, unseal the names of the people resigning, and they did. They didn't read them off, but it's visible on the screen, and you can clearly see it. So there's that. Um, The other problem with the Dustin LeMay parent, and this is part of being blind in this whole process, which is remarkably upsetting, I think, is that he continues to send his child to the same school that abused him in the first that abused her in the first place and frankly their whole family she's literate this child she's in 8th grade she has been sexually assaulted by a staff member and then administrators have covered it up and school board members again have not spoken about it because really they can't but at the same time the school board members themselves could have explained the process to the parents specifically as to how it all works. This is really where things, again, get get even hairier, is that many school teachers and school employees don't know what the process is. I've laid it out here on numerous occasions. Like I said, as degenerate as the superintendent is, he actually laid it out accurately in the school board meeting. The problem is, is he did it six months too late. He should have done it right off the bat. Just as a reminder to everybody, when, when when someone is under investigation for either a law that was broken or an allegation or whatever, here is the process and here's here's exactly what happens step by step. That's not a difficult thing to do. I've done it on this show on countless occasions. It takes less than 20 minutes to explain. Actually it takes more like 10 minutes tops. And again it's it's a, it's not a great process, it's not a speedy process, but it is the process that everybody has to follow because they're contractually obligated to do so. Where the school district also screws up and I'm I'm sure they've done this in the past because I've heard stories of them doing this in the past is that instead of following the process, they just move people around and they give them different jobs within the district until Said individual or individuals end up doing something that's so egregious that they just end up firing them. And so there's really no investigation that takes place. They just cut them loose. For example, many years ago, I heard of a teacher's aide who was having sex at the high school with students. And lots of students knew that this was happening, including some staff members. They quickly moved this female out of the high school and over to the district office where they were working. That was, their new, that was their new job. We'll just make them a, a secretary or an aide inside of the district office and get them away from minors. Well, they still ended up having sex with people, e- either within the district or students themselves, and then they were like, we can't control her behavior, we're just going to fire her, and they did, and that was the end of it. That should have involved numerous investigations, including by police, of which I don't think occurred. That kind of stuff happens all of the time. People break the law in the field of education with regularity and things are not investigated. In particular, if said individuals having a sexual relationship or an unethical relationship with someone who is in charge, then you'd better believe that there's not going to be an investigation. Unless of course the vast majority of staff members know that it's happening, they all team up together to report these individuals behind their backs to their superiors and the higher-ups. And again, you can report this directly to state departments of education without even telling local administrators. I've always recommended that. Go above them. Never take these issues to administrators directly. Always take it to the state level. Take it directly to the police, too. In particular, again, if it has to do with a minor, you always take it to the police. And you actually want the school board and the superintendent to find out the hard way, and you want them to find out last. You want a sheriff to pull up to their school and say, okay, we received this written report. This is happening. This is our investigation now. It's time for you to place this person on administrative leave or cut them loose or whatever. And that's typically how it goes, and that's certainly how it should go. Unfortunately, a lot of people still trust these administrators within K-12 environments, and they just think that they're going to do the right thing all of the time, and that doesn't really happen most of the time. So that's kind of that. But again, back to the dad. I'm disappointed that he's continuing to send his daughter into the same building that was abusing her because he even said that she was suicidal at one point. Well, I have a tip for dad. You're going to get your daughter killed if you keep sending her to school. It's that simple. These environments don't get better with age, they get worse. The things that she will experience when she is in high school are going to be detrimental to her mental, emotional, physical, and social well-being. Homeschooling is the only ethical conclusion and logical conclusion that they should make. You don't send your child back into the same environment where they have previously been abused. It doesn't mean that the environment is winning when you do that. It doesn't mean that they, uh, you know that your, that your daughter or your child is giving up or quitting or they're forever the victim. That's not it. What they're doing is, is they're taking control of their own life and they're being safe. That's a good thing because these environments are not safe. They are degenerate. They are cults and they are criminal organizations. And until he understands this, which he hasn't figured it out yet clearly, he's serving his daughter up to the sharks. That's not a good idea. That's going to wear on her because she's entering eighth grade and now she's mentally and emotionally fragile, which means what are we talking about? We're talking about the potential for um, early sexual relationships. We're talking about the potential for drug addiction, alcohol use, smoking. The list is endless. Bad friends, meeting bad people, whatever it may be. Regardless of how strong or ethical the parents might be. Same thing with a the child. They may be completely straight-laced, uh, you know, a great student, a great person, X,Y,Z. If you continue to send them into the same degenerate environment, you will have a degenerate result. You will not have a healthy one. It does not work that way. If your daughter can read and write, she can teach herself. Get her a laptop computer. Get on abecca.com and CalvertEducation.com. buy her a dog or a puppy, and give her other things to do when the school—you know, schoolwork ends. What she may end up learning, and will end up learning, it's, it's a certainty, it's inevitable, is that if she is alone and quiet and online, she may end up finding out the truth about a great many things all of the things that a K-12 school environment will never teach her. Never. She might even listen to this podcast and learn a thing or two. Who knows? But getting bad legal advice is common when it comes to parents who are experiencing something like this because they don't know that there are people like me out there who know the process, who have seen it work ethically and unethically, for both the guilty and the innocent time and time again because it's a corrupt business it is not fair they do not care about about your daughter or her daughter or children they don't every time that school administrators say that they care about students or they use the word kids or children that that's the dead giveaway as you've heard me say before that they aren't interested in that they view American parents' children as their own, as government's children. Why would you give your child back to government that just got done sexually assaulting her? I, I can't for the life of me figure it out, but as I said on Gab, Stockholm Syndrome is a real thing, and so is stupidity. And that's a massive, massive problem. If people don't wake up from this matrix that is American K-12 and higher education, that matrix will get them killed. It will get their children killed, brainwashed, so on and so forth. Some of the worst stories that I have heard over the course of my time being alive, and they are all heartbreaking, but it's on this spectrum of, of brainwashing from from the cult from the marxist bolshevik cult is that conservative god-loving parents will send their child off to college and then their child comes back for christmas break and their hair is dyed and their hair is cut and they have tattoos and piercings and they are quite literally talking or acting as if they were raised by wolves when in fact they weren't they were raised by very ethical people but for the first time in these parents' lives they do not recognize their own child this is a this is this is a big problem and yes the institutions are to blame for a great deal of this but damn it the parents are to blame also why would you send your child to the enemy if you don't know everything that's going on within that institution, then you have no business sending them to said institution. Again, it blows me away that people are sending their children and paying for this to send them to brick-and-mortar colleges and universities. Again, with the mask wearing and the shot-taking and all of it, knowing that they could pull that card out again anytime they wanted and they're still playing that card. They're still playing it. They've tricked the people who are already there. And if they were to, for example, lift jab requirements or mask requirements, all of the sudden, well, guess what? For you students that are still there, you got tricked. You got tricked into taking at least two jabs of a poison. That's going to be the cause of your death. Certainly been the cause of your sterilization. And and you becoming a barren female who's incapable of reproducing but you've been tricked. So why would you return to an environment that has tricked you to death? Only the abused would make such a move. Only only the mentally, emotionally, physically, and socially abused would continue to return to their own abuser, knowing full well how they've already been treated, even if they wake up to it or not. They're they're still just returning, and it can't. I can't for the life of me figure out why, other than the fact that it's the cycle of abuse, and they are that far gone, and they're that far brainwashed. It's very sad, and I feel terrible for. uh, I feel terrible for the parents again, the Lemays and their daughter, and all of it. But wake the hell up! Wake up! Stop sending your daughter. That school and to this district. Just stop it and don't send her to another brick and mortar one ever again. Don't do it. You might end up with a dead kid and you don't want that on your conscience because you can't deflect as parents forever. Eventually, you've got to look in the mirror and say, What did I do? What is it that I did that contributed to this? And that's something that they've got to consider. Because, again, they can only deflect from it so much. They can only blame others so much before, again, when they point a finger, there are three fingers pointing right back at them. So that's, that's kind of that. Okay, shifting gears slightly but still in the same vein and certainly within the same school district. I want to provide a quick update on David Bothist and, and what I've done with him. Like I said, a friend of mine talked with the local sheriff in our county, Richard Jones, who again is kind of well known and has been on Fox News, the mustache uh, cowboy hat wearing guy. She claims that uh, Sheriff Jones was recently on vacation and has come back from his vacation and has COVID. Weird. Apparently, uh, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe the boy's jabbed. Wonder if he's jabbed. Either way, uh, she told him about the LeMay case, and he was very aware and concerned and said there were ongoing investigations and then told him about David Bothist and the Super Bowl ticket fiasco and all of that. Apparently, everybody in the county knows about that too, which is good because, again, I emailed the county commissioner and told them who I was and what this guy had done and that I had all the proof, and then they, of course, told the district, which was hilarious. I didn't give them permission to do that, but they did it anyway. So my name is out there, and if you're listening, David Bothist, it was me, and you know it was me, and I don't give a shit because you don't belong there. Anyway, um, turns out Sheriff Jones is fully aware of David Bothist and his scenario in that situation, and did not uh, decide not to comment on any investigation in X, Y, Z. Ladies and gentlemen, I've—it's against the law. Yes, it's a misdemeanor, but it carries with it a fine and even jail time as a result of, again, soliciting money from people to pay for something like Super Bowl tickets uh, for friends and or family members and using your position of influence as an elected official to do so. That's against the law. And we know that this law gets broken all of the time without any recourse or repercussion whatsoever or accountability. Um, and I've been over it again numerous times. You can't even accept a T-shirt or a coffee mug from someone. If someone says, "Can I take you out to dinner?" and that person happens to be an employee where you where you happen to work as an elected official, you can't do that. You can't have somebody buy you an appetizer. It looks bad. But again, degenerate people do degenerate things without anybody you know without considering what they're doing. So there's that. Uh, What I decided to do then is I decided to contact Courtney King, the gal that you heard reporting on the LeMay case for Fox 19, and I reached out to her in an email just a couple of days ago. I don't expect to hear back, but I gave her all of the evidence, and I said, here's the deal. I said, I'm coming to you with this now because based on Ohio law, the Ethics Commission can't comment on it one way or another. Basically, whether or not there's an investigation taking place or not. Even if a prosecutor has gotten the case, the Ethics Commission cannot say whether or not they sent something to a prosecutor to actually prosecute. And as you've heard me bring up before, these prosecutors are so fat and lazy that they are convinced that if they cannot get 12 jurors to all say guilty at the exact same time, and all say it in unison, they won't even bring it into a court. They're not even, I mean, these prosecutors are not interested in actually trying a case that's ironclad. Now, keep in mind, they're all jabbed. So these are not thinking people. They are declining cognitively, their immune systems are wiped out, and they can't for the life of them figure out why they're sick in the middle of summer. This, again, makes this entire fake COVID fiasco, the perfect crime. Because again, you've got, well, you've heard me say it a million times. You've got the jabbed up and down the judicial system and up and down the law enforcement system, all believing that this is for everyone's well-being and health. And well, if there's an adverse reaction, it'll be short-lived. No. In fact, little jab news real quick. Wouldn't you know it, but the late and great uh late late to the show, Peter McCullough has all of a sudden decided that now that there is a study out there that says that these jabs permanently alter people's DNA, that now he can talk about it. So I want people to understand this from from a jab perspective and an information perspective. Is that and I know I'm shifting gears here, although trust me, I'm I'm gonna get back into uh into the education thing, I got a quick story from Canada, and then a couple other jab related things I, I want to bring up, which are also heartbreaking, but um Peter McCullough and people of his ilk are only interested in their medical licenses that's why they spit the virology lie as frequently as possible viruses and, and variants and omicron and ninja and all the, all this other bullshit, and they say all of it because they know that the Licensing boards for their medical license won't come after them. And then, if a study comes out talking about what these jabs are actually doing to people, only then will they speak about it. So, some peer reviewed article recently came out. I don't have it right in front of me, although I believe I put it out on Gab. And it said just that it said it permanently alters people's DNA. Now, you may recall. I said that over a year ago. In fact, I think it was in my last book. It permanently alters people's DNA. We knew this almost from the word go. Back in like December, January. That when it comes to a person's RNA and DNA, you don't touch that. You do whatever you can to to keep that as authentic and God-given as humanly possible. But you didn't hear any of them talking about it. Dr. Judy Mikovits talked about it, and and God bless her for doing it. That it alters people's DNA. The the first time I heard that, along with the HIV slash uh, AIDS connection, I immediately knew that it was RNA and DNA compromised. That it was going to manipulate people's RNA and DNA, which is why I wrote about it and spoke about it. Again, people dismissed me, which is fine. But those were the same people again that are beholden to the machine when it comes to telling the truth, because they don't want to lose their medical license. Because again, heaven forbid, they'll have to go do something else for a living. So this is, you know, I know that Peter McCullough has woken people up on a couple of things, and that's great. And I understand that, you know, it's like the Vine and Mario Brothers you know, you're, or if anybody's ever played Mario Party out there, which is an awesome video game. I love Mario Party. But there's one of the mini games in Mario Party where you're climbing the vine and you're seeing basically who can climb it the fastest. And there are a lot of games in that, in Mario Party that are very similar to that. But Peter McCullough is down toward the bottom of the vine and he's trying to pull people up from the bottom, which is fine. I like to think I'm a little higher up the vine. And that I'm not beholden to these licenses and and the machine and the corrupt machine, and I'm not interested in that. See, neither is Dr. Uh, Mike Yeadon. And yes, I'm putting our two names in the same sentence, so forgive me. But uh, Mike Yeadon doesn't give a damn about any license he had. Of course, he doesn't have a medical license because he's not a medical doctor. He has a PhD and was speaking about this again at a feverish rate. That, frankly, was faster than what Peter McCullough and even Robert Malone were speaking about. See, that's the person you should pay attention to. Don't pay attention to people that are beholden to certificates and licenses and, you know, again, abiding by the rules of the machine. Look beyond them because there are people beyond them telling the truth. And so, again, yes, it alters your DNA. We've known this for a long time. But now that there's a study out there, Peter McCullough feels comfortable talking about it because, you know, he won't lose his, he won't lose his medical license now. Uh, that, that behavior in a time of war makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. Because, again, they're showing their true colors. Again, just like all these false flags that are occurring and all these fake shootings and everybody's just soaking it up and believing it. These people are showing their true colors as to how deep they're willing to think and then what they're willing to act and or not act on. And that's disturbing. bothers me. It will continue to bother me. But hey, I don't have a problem calling these people out. Which, by the way, that reminds me of something. I saw this this morning. Excuse me. Um, It was very, very interesting. And I've always enjoyed this gal and I've enjoyed her work over the course of a number of years. And her name is Lauren Southern. If you're unfamiliar with her work, I highly recommend checking it out. But check this out on YouTube. She has a YouTube channel. She just put out on July 11th, I believe, about a two-hour documentary of her describing her time as a journalist, both working for other people, working with people, and then going her own way. And she exposes a lot of people's weird behavior. Just like what I've exposed here. A lot of these grifters, a lot of these people that are really degenerates and unethical and trying to be the first at saying something or first at doing something and then trying to profit off of that. I respect Lawrence Southern greatly. I remember watching one of her documentaries about Ireland and what was going on in Ireland and how Ireland is no longer white. And how it's completely fascist, and a number of other things. I saw this documentary years ago when when it first aired. It was fantastic, just eye opening. And um, she's done great work in the past. And again, now she's on her own. And God bless her for doing it because she's figured out that a lot of the people that she used to shake hands with and be buddy buddy with, that these people will stab you in the back in a blink of an eye. So if you're interested in checking out that documentary of her again describing, the behaviors of some well-known people that you will know and recognize. Um, it, it's, it's certainly worth checking out and, and listening to. The authenticity is undeniable, and it's very well put together, and you can tell she's just an honest person, and she cares about people, which is, which is great. So yeah, check that out if you're interested. In fact, I may link that in the description below just to make it easier for people to find, but again, it's on her YouTube channel, and uh, it's very interesting. Okay, because, again, grifters are everywhere, and I call them out on Gab all the time, too. Um, There's this story now from Canada, and I want my fellow brothers and sisters in Canada to know that I'm uh, I'm still reading about what's going on there. Of course, I don't have too many eyes and ears there anymore regarding emails and people emailing me from Canada all of the time. A couple people do, which is still great. Um, But I I certainly want to know what's going on there more frequently. And again, if anybody wants to reach out and give me some updates more specifically, I'm all for it. In fact, you're welcome on on the show because I'd I'd like to hear more about what's going on in Canada these days. Um, This was from July 5th, reclaimthenet.org. It's titled Canada's Government Funds Booklet that Teaches Kids to be Suspicious of Free Speech Support. Turning kids away from classic, v- I'm sorry, classic values. There we go. Not surprising, really. Uh, and Justin Castro is is back at it and doing what he does. But these, you know, propaganda, these kinds of propaganda booklets shouldn't surprise anybody. So it says the following here. It says, quote, a Canadian government-funded booklet for school children classifies Canada's red ensign flag. If I'm saying that right. Uh, which was used until 1965 as a hate symbol. The booklet was approved by the cabinet on June 30th. The booklet also asked kids to be wary of classmates who used the free speech argument as it was among the, quote, common defense of hate propaganda. I'm going to continue with this article, but I just want to interject. When I hear politicians talk, Justin Castro is Without a doubt, the gaslighter-in-chief. I mean, this guy gaslights like no one's business. And I'm shocked that anybody believes a word he says, because he will look people in the face who are telling him the truth, and he will say, you're wrong, I'm right, listen to me, that's all you need to know. And the things that he says, too, again, about the shots and the boosters and all this other stuff, he's next level. He's absolutely next level. He has his hand on the entire switch that is just gaslighting some, somebody. He's clearly gaslighting somebody, but wow. I, I, I'm shocked that people can't uh, read through him with more regularity, although I'm, I'm certain many people do, which is finally great. But it continues here, and it says Chair of Khan, CAHN, Bernie Farber, said the booklet would spearhead a campaign to educate children and fight and win against hate. See, this is their (laughs) Oh my god. This is their defense. It's like these dummies who have the signs in their yards that say hate has no home here. These are the people who vote for Joe Biden. These are the people who vote for Justin Castro. These are the people that vote for tyranny, but they have I mean, again, the Black Lives Matter signs. Love is love. Science is real. Uh, you know all this other nonsense. These these are the gaslit. These are the brainwashed. Um, it says, "Quote the point of this free toolkit. Uh oh, there's that word free again. Is to help parents, educators, and the community identify and intervene when a young person is being groomed and recruited by a white supremacist movement before it is too late." Said Farber. Quote. It's not just a free toolkit. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network is launching a whole education program. Unquote. I hope homeschooling is a real thing in Canada, and I hope people are doing it, uh, and that it's not illegal yet. It continues, it says this new resource will be delivered through workshops in schools across the country and it will help raise awareness with students. Diversity Minister Ahmad Hussein, what a Canadian name that is, told reporters, adding the booklet would help, quote, teach core values to our kids, unquote. See, our kids. Teach core values to our kids, to government's children. They're not your kids. No, no, no. They're government's kids. It says BlackRock's reporter reported that Hussein approved CAD $268,400 funding for the booklet titled Confronting and Preventing Hate in Canadian Schools, unquote. The guide was written by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, CON, C-A-H-N. Which had previously received $268,400 funding from the government to operate its website. The booklet has a chapter on hate symbols and lists the red ensign flag as one of those symbols. It states that the flag was used until 1965. Quote, Its usage denotes a desire to return to Canada's demographics before 1967 when it was predominantly white, the book continues. The Canadian ensign is often red ensign is often used by the younger alt-right Canada First movement, but has been seen against older, seen amongst older hate-promoting groups and individuals. Its usage is modern times, and an indicator of hate-promoting beliefs, unquote. The book also encourages children to challenge those that speak well about problematic leaders, quote unquote. Sometimes educators and students will find themselves in a position of requiring an immediate response to a student in class who invokes a bigoted ideology. It says, "We're almost done here. This just continues to quote these people, which is incredible." It says, "Quote: While these institute, uh, I'm sorry, while these situations should be treated carefully, they need to be addressed as they happen." The guide writes, "Quote: These incidents." can range from mild to severe, and each will require its own approach depending on the situation. Examples. A student argues in favor of a problematic politician or policy. Example. Trump's wall in a classroom discussion. Unquote. There you go. Wow. Wow. I've told you my stories in the past. I'm going to wrap this up. I promise. There's only like one more paragraph, but I've told you my stories of being in Australia for a week and being in Canada for a week and watching their television and their media, it is arguably the worst I've ever seen. And their reporting of what goes on in America is the worst because every single word and line that they speak is wrong. I mean, every single one. It's incredible. See, here in America, we don't care too much about Canadian politics. I mean, we, we care as citizens, but the media doesn't seem to care. The media doesn't cover it whatsoever. You're never going to hear a word on mainstream media, in particular local news media, about anything related to Canada. They don't even touch it. Not so in Canada, though. Canadian news outlets consistently talk about American news and American politics. It blows me away. And like I said, they get it wrong all the time. Uh, it continues it says Chair of Khan, Bernie Farber, said the booklet would spearhead a campaign to educate children and fight and win against hate, unquote. Final paragraph, it says, quote, the point of this free toolkit is to help parents, educators, and the community, community, identify and intervene when a young person is being groomed and recruited by a white supremacist movement before it is too late, unquote, Farber said. He said, quote, it's not just a free toolkit. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network is launching a whole education program, unquote. God help us all. That is an absolute nightmare. And again, I would love somebody to, to, to contact me about homeschooling in Canada, whether or not it's a thing. Is their government cracking down on it? Uh, we know that they're cracking down on it in the UK, without a doubt. And, uh, and there you go. Speaking of the UK real quick, jab-related before I get into some other jab-related stuff here, and then a couple other uh, sort of miscellaneous tidbits, which I think are kind of interesting. Um, Apparently, Boris Johnson resigning had also something to do with the high jab numbers and the jabbed getting remarkably ill in the UK, that upwards of 90 to 95% of all of the ill people are all at least double jabbed, if not boosted or double boosted. Weird. Weird, isn't it? Weird how all that poison is just, oh, I don't know, poisoning people. Weird stuff. So there's that. Okay. And that was from the expose, if I'm not mistaken. Here's, here's another one. And this is, uh, This is heartbreaking, jab-related, and it's something, again, that is really occurring. And it's an angle that I may have brought up in the past, although I'm not entirely sure, but it is certainly happening, and it's certainly not being reported on with any regularity that I can hear anyway. But it has to do with people killing themselves as a result of the ill side effects from these jabs. And this is happening. This, again, is on the jab spectrum. As you've heard me reference on numerous occasions, this is an actual thing. They are euthanizing themselves, they are receiving treatment to be euthanized, or they are, in fact, just taking their own lives by their own hand because of what these jabs have done to them. Here is one such story. Um, This was online, anonymous, so I'm just going to read it. It says one of my employees is taking bereavement leave tomorrow because his mother is choosing to self-euthanize over vax injuries. It says, quote, "His mother's blood is clotting uncontrollably. The doctors don't know how to stop it. Blood thinners are doing nothing. She already lost a leg because without circulation it was rotting from the toes up. They even tried doing a full transfusion. They are Canadian." And when they told her they were going to have to take her other leg, she decided she would rather die and get it over with. She is scheduled for euthanasia tomorrow afternoon. I know that we would start seeing stuff like this. I knew that we would start seeing stuff like this, but the graphic nature of this is disturbing me regardless. Unquote. That particular thread has a lot of responses to it and a lot of other posts. It's almost too, it's too long to read. Um but it is certainly something that a lot of people are experiencing. Again, they're witnessing this with their own family members. They're witnessing the mental and emotional decline of them once they're becoming ill, the more frequent that they're becoming ill. <clears throat> and uh, excuse me, you know that's, that's not good. That's putting it mildly, I know, but um, even, even a person having what's referred to as a common cold can be remarkably depressing to someone, let alone Again, taking these poisons and losing limbs, um, that, th- that certainly takes its toll on, on individuals, in particular when they've been tricked, and endless people have been tricked. Yes, a lot of us knew that you know what, what this was from the word go, but a lot of people didn't. And one of the contributors, of course, to this giant lie who should hang by the neck until dead is this woman. So I'm going to play her audio, and you'll recognize her witch voice in 3, 2, 1.
1: Many Americans are under vaccinated, meaning they are not up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines. Not all people over the age of 50 have received their first booster dose. Of those who received their first booster dose, only 28% of those over 50 have received a second booster dose. And of those over the age of 65, only 34% have received their second booster dose. So my message right now is very simple. It's essential that These Americans, as Dr. Shaw said, get their second booster
0: shot right away. Rochelle Walensky, ladies and gentlemen, the beacon of truth from the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Again, uh, you know, why can't you know a, a random boulder just roll down a hill and just squash her? You know, she's out for a jog and then splat. I mean, come on, a random boulder something. You know, uh, a dog with rabies bites her, you know, something. It it can be absurd. I I would be fine with that, but whatever. I'm not, you know. Ugh, these people. I gotta tell you, if you don't know it's a kill program, ladies and gentlemen, then you're a part of the kill program. And unfortunately, we're all a part of the kill program, whether we want to be or not. Um, here's another example of sort of the naivete that exists, although she knows what she's doing, let's not kid ourselves, she's doing this intentionally and knowingly. Um, she's not, I mean, she's stupid and and a criminal, but she knows what she's doing. Here's an example of some people who don't know what they're doing and and don't know what they've done. This comes from greatawakening.win, again, another anonymous post, but it says the following, it says, quote, uh, Well, finally seeing it in real time, me and my two fellow purebloods and a half-jabbed guy are holding the line at work. Fort Twelfth's production staff are perfectly fine, while eight out of the 12 are sick with COVID slash flu, cold, etc. They said, quote, I work at a brewery in Seattle, in the Seattle area, and it's crazy to actually see this play out. I know Dave from X-22 Report, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone have been saying this would happen, but wow, they're all jabbed and boosted and getting sicker and sicker. A couple of them are getting COVID again. They're not getting COVID again. They're dying because they have a compromised immune system. So it's not, damn it, it's (laughs) it's semantics on words. It bothers me. It's not COVID because COVID's not real. It's not a real thing. What they're experiencing is the sloughing off of an accumulation of dead cells and toxic cells, and the body can't get rid of them. So when the body can't get rid of them like a well-oiled machine who is healthy, you feel the symptoms of being ill. Anyway, it says, meanwhile the pure bloods and the half jabbed guy are just fine and it's bad enough that management is giving us both time and a half and extra PTO to keep the beer flowing and canning line and canning line running um, it says quote none of them are getting the connection though just as clueless and naive as ever half jabbed guy has gone from sportsball normie to based I'm using counter predictive programming on him with the info Q has provided us and it's working on him. I don't mention Q at all, but I just have, uh, I just have to, I've just told him what's going on and it happens. And as it happens, he's awakening more and more. He thanks me and my non-Q Patriot coworker for convincing him not to get the second jab. Now that this is playing out, he is ODing on red pills, unquote. That's, you know, that's a good thing. And that right there is a perfect snapshot of the entire jab spectrum. You've got a guy who's unjabbed, who knows what's been going on the entire time. He's working with a person who's received one shot and doesn't know what's going on, but has now been convinced to never get any more. And they work with people who are Double, triple, or quadruple jabbed, and those people are sick. I mean, that right there is the spectrum of awakening. In one in one anonymous post. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Okay. Here's the final thing. And this is uh unrelated to jab stuff, but it has to do with gasoline. And this too was on Great GreatAwakening.win. I thought it was worth reading because it's certainly interesting. And apparently this comes from somebody who uh is in the gas business. So take it for what it's worth. You can take it with a grain of salt, give it a try, see if you notice any difference. I'm certainly going to give this a try, and, and we'll see what happens. So it says, quote." And by the way, this is tips for uh, filling up your gas tank and how to maximize the amount of gasoline in your actual gas tank. It says, quote, "I don't know what you guys are paying for gasoline." It says, but my line of work is in petroleum for about 31 years now, so here are some tricks to get more for your money's worth for every gallon. It says, here at the Kinder Morgan Pipeline, where I work in San Jose, California, we deliver about 4 million gallons in a 24-hour period through the pipeline. One day is diesel, the next day is jet fuel and gasoline, regular and premium grades. We have thirty-four storage tanks here with a total capacity of sixteen thousand I'm sorry, sixteen million eight hundred thousand gallons. It says point one with a little checkpoint next to it. It says only buy or fill up your car or truck in the early morning when the ground temperature is still cold. Remember that all service stations have their storage tanks buried below ground. The colder the ground, the more dense the gasoline. When it gets warmer, gasoline expands. So buying it in the afternoon or in the evening, your gallon is not exactly a gallon. In the petroleum business, the specific gravity of the temperature of the gasoline, I'm sorry, the specific gravity and the temperature of the gasoline, diesel and jet fuel, ethanol and other petroleum products plays an important role. Well, gravity's not real, so he's re- he's referring to density, which is fine. Anywho, it continues, and it says, a one degree rise in temperature is a big deal for this business, but the service stations do not have temperature compensation at the pumps. It says, point two, when you're filling up, do not squeeze the trigger of the nozzle to a fast mode. If you look, you will see that the trigger has three stages, low, middle, and high. You should be pumping on low mode, thereby minimizing the vapors that are created while you are pumping. All hoses at the pump have a vapor return. If you are pumping on the fast rate, some of the liquid that goes to your tank becomes vapor. Those vapors are being sucked up and back into the underground storage tank, so you're getting less worth for your money. Point three: one of the most important tips is to fill up when your gas tank is half full. The reason for this is the more gas you have in your tank, the less air occupying its empty space. Gasoline evaporates faster than you can imagine. Gasoline storage tanks have an internal floating roof. This roof serves as zero, as a zero clearance between the gas and the atmosphere, so it minimizes the evaporation. Unlike service stations, where I work, here where I work, every truck that we load is temperature compensated so that every gallon is actually the exact amount. And then final point, they said another reminder. If there's a gasoline truck truck pumping into the storage tanks when you stop and buy gas, do not fill up. Most likely the gasoline is being stirred up as the gas is being delivered, and you might pick up some of that dirt that normally settles at the bottom, unquote. So there you go. Some helpful tips. I assume it's true. Why not at this point? we, you know, Let's try everything and uh, let's do our own measurements and see if it doesn't seem to make a difference. I'm currently at half tank. I'll, uh, I'll either fill up early in the morning or perhaps late at night and, and see what happens. Who knows? With that said, ladies and gentlemen, continue to have a great week. I hope you are and I'll catch you on Friday. Take care.